Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Four Stringers podcast. Glad to have you guys in. I am your co-host, Alex Wink, along with here with my guy. Other co-host, Ryan, because we are equals, sir. <laughs> I said co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but we're coming at you today with one of the best divisions in football, He's if lying. not the best division in football. That's bullshit depending on who you ask or which team you follow. But I would say the AFC South is loaded this year, and we can't wait to get into it with you. Coming at you next. Josh Allen is not elite. Adam Gates deserves another chance. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence was a reach Yeah, he's never won a fantasy championship The guy drafted a kicker in the fifth fucking round Alright, ladies and gentlemen, coming back to you with arguably the best division in sports Not even just football, the AFC South uh pretty excited <laughs> don't fucking do that to me buddy <laughs> come on now uh we got four solid teams to cover minus three so just one um but the titans are going to be great this year i don't know about the other three my money's I- on houston <laughs> are you uh depends on who their lawyer is if they get the same one as deshaun watson it's gonna be great <laughs> there we go <laughs> Kicking yeah. it off right. Oh, God. Let's go. This division's a wildfire right now. But what I will say is uh, Tennessee won a third straight year in a row. Shocker. But there's a lot of interesting topics to discuss with Matt Ryan coming over to the Colts, the Jaguars reloading, in quotations. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're not there yet. They're, and then they're the Houston Texans finally moving on from the headache that was that entire situation and getting a hell of a return for it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about this division overall. Um, it's just kind of depending on what you think, but there's a lot of fa- fantasy relevance in this division for sure. Oh, 100%. There's, there's relevance everywhere if you know where to look. So that's why we're here, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes, sir. You got a team you want to start with, or yeah, gonna... let's let's start with the epitome of the laughing stock of this division, which is the Jacksonville Tennessee? Jaguars. Oh, oh wow, that one went not how I wanted it to, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> All right, so we'll go Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah I'm okay. down with it. Uh, right. So Trevor Lawrence, reach. Uh, that's. I mean, we've been saying it since the get go. <laughs> I have. will say that. I mean, I'm gonna. I think that guy's about as good as Josh Allen. So, Ouch. I will say. They did do some things that helped in the draft. They're getting Etienne back. There's only so many things you can do that are wrong before your franchise starts to turn the page a little bit, unless you're the Cleveland Browns. I do think they're headed in the right direction. Do I think it's this year? Absolutely not. <laughs> no shot. This team goes 7-10 and 10 in a good season, in my opinion. I Honestly, I think that's fair. I don't think that. And I think that that's like, if I, if we go seven and 10, me as a fan, I'm going to sit there and be like, all right, we're, we took a step in the right direction. Like, I don't think that that's like a detrimental thing. If you're a Jags fan and you go seven and 10 this year, I think you're probably pretty happy with it comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. I think best case Ontario, you go seven and 10 and then you get a lot of offensive line help. And then you start from there. You're just not going to do a lot when Christian Kirk's the highest paid wide receiver in the league. I think he earned it. 
<laughs> yeah, you and you only. We should ask Arizona how they feel about that yeah, because okay. I would imagine him being like, hey, you want to match this? You want to match this contract and have me stay? Yeah, not a fucking shot. I wouldn't match that contract for Devontae Adams. They so. pissed their pants laughing. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that's where I'm at with them. Uh, but as far as they go from a fantasy perspective, Etienne gets an entire year in the offense without playing. But learning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. His body Honestly. doesn't take the wear and tear of 400 carries a season, which is not what he would have gotten, but probably close to because he would have ended up taking James Robinson's spot. There's, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. No, me either. I, He's way more versatile as a pass catcher. He has the combo. He has the combo with Trevor Lawrence from college. That was Urban Meyer's plan when he drafted the way that he did. I just, I don't see them trying to shy away from that. No. So I, 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 I honestly, I really like Etienne this year. I, I do too. He's, he's a huge question mark, but for where he's getting drafted, if that guy can end up as a fringe running back one slash running back two, you're going to get him for a lot more value than you would have. hundred percent. I, I'm not even like, I'm not necessarily scared of drafting him. I think he's got ridiculous upside. And I might've mentioned this on a past episode. I don't even remember. Um, I think of this situation with him and Robinson. Of course, Robinson's still kind of hurt coming off of a Achilles. Yeah. If if Brutal. he's healthy for the majority of this season, though, the way I look at this is a poor man's version of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara when Kamara was like a rookie. Which a young. poor man's version of that is not bad when that year they finished as running back three and running back six. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's not a bad. That's what I'm saying. So I, I honestly view ETN as like a Camara sort of clone. Um, a budget version of him who's not there yet. And kind he, of a thing. He, he could be that good too. We just sure. don't know. Yeah, right. I mean, we have nothing to do. I mean, think about what they did at Clemson. It's not like he didn't have success there. He has the same offense. I mean... Built around Trevor Lawrence, I won't say the same offense because obviously they run different schemes and whatever. But they're going to accommodate to Trevor Lawrence's strengths the you would same way so. they did at Clemson. Yeah, you and would because hope so. of that, Etienne gets a lot more holes. Their offensive line, at least in the tackle position, isn't horrible. The interior is not bad. But if they run outside zone scheme with him and get him in space, say with screen passes as well as those outside runs, he should be just fine. I I'm drafting Etienne. Um, I, I'm not going to put a round on it, but I'm drafting him in, you know, any, I would, I wouldn't call it early rounds, but early middle rounds. If I, and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm expecting RB2 production out of him. Just I am too. I'm expecting RB2 production, but I'm expecting draft pick as a flex, mm-hmm. which is people That's, are going to be shot gun shy because of the injury and because of how bad Jacksonville is and everything going on. I think if that guy ends up in your flex position every week or as running back three where you use him off the bench situationally depending on matchup or where whatever's going on, injury, that is not a bad running back no, three you, to have You should be all. in really, really good shape if you He's, have him as an RB3 or His flex. guaranteed floor is so much better than most other running backs in this situation, especially coming off of injury that, yeah, you should be scared of what's going to happen to him long-term long season-wise. But you can be that scared about anybody when it comes to that. Like I, the re-injure aspect doesn't scare me as much no. as most people. Yeah, the yeah the Achilles is a lot different than the ACL, and it's kind of the new ACL where you have a long recovery time. But with how medical is right now, where doctor, I I mean like ACLs are like eight months right now to get back to brand new, and typically the restructure is better than what the knee was at right point of incident. So because of that. 
yeah, Achilles is a different injury and it does does scare me a decent amount. The opportunity is there and I don't think that he's going to shy away from it. James Robinson's still out, which is huge. I'm not concerned about ETN no, one bit. No. Like not at all. Not I mean I am everyone you're always going to have that little concern especially with their interior line being the way that it is. But if you are if you're concerned about someone getting hurt based on offensive line production, I don't think you draft a running back before round twelve. Well, because you every single running back has that same occurrence where they're gonna get hit. Everyone that you draft in the range that you're gonna get ETN right now is they've got question marks. It, it's a different question mark. Even the king now. I mean, Derrick Henry was untouchable until last year, injury wise. Now he's got a and foot problem. Even that now he's got a foot problem because he had one. You look one at bad go. Guys in the same range, David Montgomery. He's on a horseshit offense with a new head coach. You don't know what the scheme's going to look like. Because people see that and then they associate it with a situation such as like a David Johnson who tears one ACL and is never the same. Or people like running backs like that that have that one thing, that one issue or injury that immediately scares you off going forward. And then there's running backs like CMC who've missed 23 games in the last two years, but have also averaged 23 touches over the last four years with 23 games missing, still averages 23 touches a game. And like those running backs, it's hard. It much harder than in a situation like this to decide, is this worth it or is it not worth it? I think because of the workload being the way that it was, where it's been non-existent in the NFL, Etienne is not a risk for me. I'm not comparatively to other people coming off an injury. No, I'm not concerned. I I'm a hundred percent. I'm I'm taking ETN. I don't know if I want to say I would take him in the third round, fourth round. He's if he's I take him. I take him in the third round for sure. Third, I'm thinking about it depending on where I'm at and who's on the board at the time. There's a couple guys I would take in front of him, uh, but if he's there in the fourth round and depending on if I'm, I'm personally I'm going if I can this year I'm going running backs in the first three rounds. So if I go if I go RB in the first three rounds of the draft and ETN's there in the fourth, I'm probably not going to take him. I'm going to go wide receiver at I that mean, point. Um, at this point in fantasy, what's wrong with taking six running backs in six rounds? You Holy never know. Shit, we never have enough. So, but I'm I am he's he's one of the guys that I'm heavily targeting when I have a chance to, just because of the fact that I think he's. He's going to be the next version of an Alvin Kamara type. Oh, yeah, and there's a value on the question marks because people don't know what they're going to get. That's when you can get a guy for a lot cheaper than what he's worth because people don't know yet. This time next year, I I really don't think you'll be able to draft uh, Travis Etienne where you're getting him now. He's going to be probably either a late first, early second round pick next year. That's my Well, this is the big year for Jacksonville, too. This is like the make or break. Is is Trevor going to be that guy? Right. And... With that being said, you have to establish a run game. You need to get guys open, and their wide receiving corpse is horrible. Yeah. So going forward, I think even more so because of how bad it is, when Trevor gets in trouble, Trevor's going to look for the one guy he trusts. And who has he built a relationship with for four years at college level when they succeeded at an exponential rate? Etienne's the guy. And yeah. I think that because of that, he's going to benefit a lot from Trevor's not even going to look at the second or third option that's downfield because he knows he's safe there and he'll take the five yards instead. And in PPR formats or even half PPR formats, that's huge for Etienne. And and, and for a guy, I, I just think um, 
you want to try to get ahead of the curve on a player like this that's young, that has upside that nobody really knows how far he can get. I mean, like like I said, if, if you take him this year in the fourth round, you're not going to get him in the fourth round next year, most likely. If he takes that leap, that's the type of value that wins you a league because you get a, a running back in a you know, a later, little bit later round that can provide you RB back end RB one high end RB two value. And I think he can Doug Peterson loves to throw the ball. Um, his pass rate compared to other coaches when he's been coaching is towards the top of the league. And it's a, I don't want to call it a make or break year for Trevor Lawrence, but it's sort of that thing. It's he's a second year. He did not look good last year. If he doesn't look good again this year, you know, the, he his career's going to be in trouble. They they need to establish they they need to build confidence with him the best way they can. And they don't have a lot of like you said, a lot of other options that are safety blankets for him. Not ETN somebody yeah. he's familiar with. Um when they need when they need a quick uh, couple yards, he's going to be a very good option underneath um tight end it's not evan ingram is there now but it's has he been reliable no christian evan ingram Kirk, hasn't been good since he was in college that that's just it and so you know there's very few options and he's very familiar with etn lawrence's so even if it's a bad offense even if lawrence doesn't take a huge leap forward this year i still think there's upside for etn um i i'm firmly in his camp he's a player like i said i'm heavily targeting um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy. I'm not saying I would put, I'm not going to plug him in as an RB two this year. Um, but if I can get him as an RB three slash flex, I am super happy with that because that, oh, means, absolutely. that means I'm, I'm heavy somewhere else. And I've got depth. Talent. Yes. And I've got depth absolutely in the most important position in fantasy football, which is yep. running back. And yep. it's not close. So we should probably, for time's sake, move on from ETN in the running back position. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wide receivers, how do we feel? Uh, the only one worth talking about, the only one I think is probably Christian Kirk. Um, I think of Kirk as a somewhere between a wide receiver three and four, but I do think he's got upside based on the passing volume since he's going to be the number one target. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out here with a hot take. Um Zay Jones will finish as wide receiver one in Jacksonville. No fucking way you believe that. Absolutely. No. Uh, Zay Jones has been regarded by the last two franchises that he's been with as the hardest working wide receiver in football. Why is he here? When he was in Vegas, it was the exact same way. And when he was in Buffalo, they thought the same thing. No matter what, Zay Jones is the first guy in the facility. He's the last guy out. He is a film junkie. He loves everything to do with football. They have no number one wide receiver that's without a doubt this guy is the fucking guy. As much as you want to say that Christian Kirk is going to be based on what they pay them, Christian Kirk has done just as much in the NFL as Zay Jones has. He's had one good year, Kirk has. And one good year was in an offense where it was DeAndre Hopkins fucking... Exactly. They had so many other options. The reason he got that was because he wasn't number one covered. He's going to get blanketed this year, and he's not good enough to beat that coverage, in my opinion, at all. I think it's going to be a horrible year for him. I'm, I'm thinking 900 yards and, like, four touchdowns. 
it's like I think that that's like the sky for him. Marvin Jones fell off a cliff. He is not the Marvin Jones he was. He's he's not as reliable as he was. I know he finished last year probably, and I'm totally shooting in the dark here. Probably what wide receiver three, wide receiver four rate. Like he was probably our- he had he had seventy three catches, eight hundred and thirty two yards, and four touchdowns. Okay, so pro- I call it wide receiver three. I would say that's number yeah. like three numbers. I don't think he's he's getting older. He's in his probably early thirties. Um, I'm not going to take the time to look this up. I'm shooting from the hip right now. Uh, he's, but he's early thirties getting towards the mid part of his thirties. The decline's already hit and he's, he's got in 32. Okay. So he is early thirties and he's got a dicey right now. Quarterback. We don't know what we've got with Lawrence. Everybody thought it was a guaranteed thing. I didn't, you didn't. Um, and clearly, uh, Urban Meyer didn't because he ran him right in the fucking Urban room. Meyer didn't think a, about a lot of things outside of what bar he was going to after then, practice. Right. So, um, no, I'm 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 not taking a flyer on Marvin Jones unless it's a waiver wire pickup later in the year if he for some reason turns it on. Um, Zay Jones. Zay Jones I like with like a 13th round he's pick. Got, he's got to be 13, 14, 15th round pick. There's no chance you're drafting. But what I will say is the value you get out of that pick will be much higher than what you think. I, I genuinely feel like Zay Jones will go for over 1,000 this year. So And that that I can't really argue with because if you're picking wide receivers in the 13th, 14th, 15th round, realistically what you're looking for you're is... You're rolling the dice regardless, it's, it's, yeah. It's a total crapshoot and... If you get a big first couple weeks, you might be onto something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, it's a late enough pick where you didn't miss anything. You can cut bait and you can find someone else on the waiver wire that's going to give Just you type what you wanted, the, the type of, of production yes. that you're looking for yes. in a in a you know deep like a, the last spot in your bench. I mean, as far as outside of their wide receiving pass catchers, like I, I Lavisca Chenault's okay, but he's going to do the exact same thing he's done for the last two years, which is not anything to write home about, but he's no. going to have one or two games that are like, wow, that was worth starting that week. I don't see Chenault as the type of player that's going to give you like week to week um, upside. I just think he's sort of a gadget type of guy. What do you think Laquan Treadwell is going to do? Absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> do not bring his name up. What a waste of a first-round pick. The Vikings panicked. Rick Spielman panicked. Um, they wanted, and actually, this was just as equally as bad of a pick. In fact, it might have been worse in hindsight. They wanted Josh Doxson, who was, uh, I believe at the time, the Washington Redskins, Redskins. pick. Um, when he went in front of them, yeah, they absolutely panicked. They picked the next receiver on the board that they thought was there. They both ended up sucking. Doxson, I don't even think, is in the league anymore. Nope. And Treadwell is barely hanging on. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Anyway, yeah, he's right. going to do nothing. Um, still ended up being better, but at the same time, still wasn't good. So it, it's like, yeah. Essentially, what we're what what you and I are debating is I I like Kirk, you like Zay Jones. We probably both think they have equal value. It's just which is which almost one, nothing. It yeah. which is it's it's not going to be an every week starter. No, don't rely on these guys to be in your starting lineup it's, ever. It's just which one you think is going to be the better of the two. Uh, we feel the same way with the tight end position. Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold are not it. No, by no. any means. This offensive side of the football is going to be very much a struggle bus outside of fantasy relevancy. The running backs, in my opinion. Yeah, that's and and, and honestly, even with Robinson. I don't want him as a handcuff. Even even if even if ETN went down again, Robinson's value 
coming off an Achilles injury. Last year, he was purely volume-based, and it was horseshit volume, like mm-hmm. production for the volume he got. It's like he's not the James Robinson that he was in his rookie year. He's ne- There was a reason he went, what, undrafted. Um, he's just not a super, super talented guy. And that it's it's rare that you find somebody that's going to be drafted the seventh round or undrafted that's going to be able to be an every year producer the way I think people expected him to be maybe last year. I'm out on James Robinson. So there's there's two players in this offense that I want. It's it's ETN and it's Christian Kirk. That's it. All right. So your team's filled out in round thirteen or fourteen, and yep. you're just taking flyers. Is Robinson worth a flyer there? Because I think he is. At that point, probably. Etienne goes down, or if he doesn't produce. At that point, yes. That goes back to a free running back one in the late rounds. I'm okay with you taking him late, but do not reach on James Robinson. No, no, and that's that's the point I'm making because in the mocks that I've been doing, I'm seeing him picked in the like earlier than that. You know, I'm talking like tenth, eleventh round, twelfth, mm-hmm. and even that's a little bit steep for me because I would prefer to and be picking quarterbacks, tight ends. Sure. And like deep sleep wide mm-hmm. receivers, players with bigger upside than that in that spot. And their line's not horrible. No, it's not that they've bad. Dr- they've addressed the knee of tackle. They have Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor. They brought Brandon Schreff over from Washington this year. Like that's three of the five positions that are filled. They have Ben Barsh as a backup and Walker Little, who are both first and second round draft picks. So like they have capital invested in it. Is that line going to be good enough to hold? Eh. We'll see. I don't think it's going to be horrible. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be running for his life by any means. It but do I think that this is a top 15 line in the NFL? It's teeter-tottering between 15 and 20 for me. Sure. So, yeah, I I don't hate it. I by no means hate it. But do I think that it's going to get a lot better than it was? No, no. I don't. Um, as far as the defense goes, I feel like, do, we have, do you have anything else offensive wise that you want to talk about uh no offensively there's nothing yeah. even on, honestly defensively i i'm out on jacksonville defense oh anyway. absolutely they've done a um, lot of good things they bought shaquille griffin in. they have andre cisco uh drafted trayvon walker first overall uh they have the the, the better josh allen i guess i should say um Kelvin chase on is still in the mix like they have a lot of young talent do i think their defense is gonna be Worth a draft pick? Hell no. No. Hell no. Not especially when you play Tennessee twice a year. There's no way. <laughs> You're noticing a lot of deep breathing on one side of the microphone today. And a lot of bullshit coming out the other side. So, Correct. I will say from a Jacksonville perspective, running backs and that's about it for me. Yeah. That, that, that's where I'm at too. Um, the defense, like you said, there's there's no reason to put a pick mm-hmm. into them. They're going to be a streamer at absolute best, only if they're playing a very bad offense. Um, and then outside of a couple of the guys in the pass catching group, there's nothing there either. Sure. So. And then speaking of running backs, we could just roll right into it with arguably the top pick this year, Jonathan Taylor and in Indy. Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, that's a good segue. Honestly, um, now. No, I was going to say I'll preface this with something, but no, I don't even think I will. I'm not taking Jonathan Taylor with the first pick in any You get 1-1 one, one, who you taking. In any format. So I'm talking, if it's standard, I'm probably taking Derrick Henry. And if it's PPR, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. And it's Still? Not, yeah, it's not even a question in my mind. The upside's way higher with McCaffrey than it is with Taylor. 100% in my mind. 
Um, yeah, but you also have to look at it from the aspect that you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it in the first round. That's fair. But even even the injuries McCaffrey's been suffered like the last couple of years, it's not like he's got chronic knee problems or chronic uh, hamstring problems. It's been random shit. Like last year or the two years ago or whatever it was, it's like rib injuries and just some shit. And then he came back and played and he got hurt with something else. That he just he just got banged up. They're managing his workload. I do think that they are cognizant of that in Carolina. Um, so I, I think they're working to try to mitigate some of those problems. Um, but the reason I'm not going to take Taylor number one overall, and I, I'm pulling up his stats right now. So here, so he's got he had last year he had 1,800 yards, uh, 18 touchdowns uh, on the ground. He had two receiving and 360 receiving yards. To me, that's his absolute ceiling. I don't think he goes higher than that at any point in his career. Why? Um, I think they have other options in that offense. I like I uh, Matt Ryan. I think is he he's a better passer than they had in Carson Wentz by a lot. Even though he's not great, <laughs> I do think he's better than Carson Wentz. I think they trust Matt Ryan more than Carson Wentz. Um, if you listen, uh, Frank Reich has come out and said at. Uh, one point or another in the off season that they would like to throw the ball a little more. Um, they've indicated that they want to use Naheem Hines better in the passing game. They signed him to a three-year extension. Which they worth. should have forever. Dude, when they had him and Wilkins back in the day, they actually had a ridiculous running back room and they did nothing with it. They they have said that they want to use him Marlon in the passing Mack game. Marlon Mack too. When Marlon Mack, dude, they were fucking, they were good runners. And, and, they signed him to a three-year, it was close to $20 million for Naheem Hines in the offseason as an extension. You're not going to do that for a running back you don't plan to use. And he's no. not a between-the-tackles guy. That's the thing a lot of people don't understand is like, yeah, this guy for sure appears a lot better than whatever guy is. But sometimes player A is getting paid $5 million a year and player B is getting paid $375,000 a year. Who do you think they're going to invest more time in to try to be better? what they invested their money in because time is money. And when it comes down to it, they're not going to give a guy the same amount of work in say a practice scheme. Yeah. If the guy take, if the younger guy who's getting paid way less takes over his role because he's better, they're not going to just turn a blind eye and say, no, there's no way you're better than this guy, but they will do everything in their power to try to make sure that the guy they invested in is the guy that they want until it's not. And they're, then they'll jump ship. They're paying Naheem Hines $6 million plus per year to be a backup pass catching running back. There's no way they're not going to try to use him more this year. Um, Jonathan Taylor had five and a half yards per carry last year in 18 fucking touchdowns. I just don't see that being a rep. A rep I, I don't see him repeating that. And he only had off, 18 touchdowns. He had 18 rushing touchdowns. That's it. Henry does that if he's healthy last year easily. He does that by week twelve. Um, you look at historically too RB ones like overall RB ones for the year don't typically repeat. Also, that was that that's 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 it. Comment was just a joke. I, that was a phenomenal year by Jonathan Taylor, which I'm calling like a fairly His standard career year. year? No. I'm calling a fairly standard year for Derrick Henry. Which is why I'm saying for standard, he's my RB1. People should remember that. Jonathan Taylor. Just throwing that out there. I, I, I just feel like people are drafting him at his ceiling. Oh, right wink, now. that gets me fired up. Let's go, buddy. I, I just think I just think that's the case. And you're investing a number one overall pick in a guy that needs to play up to last year's standard just to get there again. And I just don't think he's going to be able to do it. He might get in the ballpark. 
you know, 1,500 yards, 1,600 yards, 12, 14 touchdowns, I don't think is out of the question by any means. But I don't think the receiving work is going to be quite as hefty this year. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be a bust. I'm just saying with the number one overall pick, if I'm in a standard league, I'm taking Henry. And if it's PPR, I'm taking the gamble on McCaffrey because the upside with McCaffrey is significantly higher. I don't know that I can take the gamble on McCaffrey at one, dude. That's He's, a lot to ask of a fantasy owner. McCaffrey, provided he stays healthy, will give you wide receiver, what, two production on top of wide, like running back fringe RB1 production. If he stays It's a healthy. cheat code. He's an absolute fucking cheat code. And if I'm taking the first overall pick in PPR... That's, it, it, I, it, for me, it's it's no question. There's other people that might be scared to to take the gamble, but um, I'm I'm not at all. I'm I'm taking McCaffrey. So uh, for, for for me, Taylor's like oh McCaffrey doesn't elite. scare me as much as most people do. But no, when it, it comes to consistency, you just know what you're gonna get, and the floor is so much higher for him this year because of that. I uh, feel like I for for me in ta- my opinion, Taylor's still elite. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not. Yeah, we're not saying he's bad. It's just I'm saying if I have the first overall pick and I have my choice of the actual litter, you're you're taking McCaffrey over. Absolutely. Okay, sure. No questions asked. One hundred percent of the time, I'm taking McCaffrey. So anyway, uh, when it comes to wide receivers, I'm huge on Pittman this year. Mm-hmm. That's it. Pittman's a wide receiver one. Pittman is a wide receiver one, and that's it. I'm not touching this offense elsewhere. He's nope. going to get force-fed the ball way too much. They don't have any tight end prospects that are going to steal target share. Like, nope. it's it's Michael Pittman, and then it's Michael Pittman Jr. at two. And Matt, <laughs> Yeah. Seriously, uh, Matt Ryan, in the past, too, you've seen it with Julio Jones in Atlanta. He he finds his guy, and he hits his guy. And if outside – you think of those Atlanta offenses in the Did Julio past. actually play games in Atlanta? Because he didn't in Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, I think he got to Tennessee to take a paycheck and just said, you know, I'll take a year yeah, off. Yeah, I fucking would have too. Thanks for playing, <laughs> dude. Oh my god. But but you look at his time in Atlanta. You know, outside of him, who was the wide receiver too? It it varied. Roddy times. White. Roddy White, an aging <laughs> Roddy White, a very old Roddy White. Uh, Roddy White was wide receiver one until Julio got there. Russell so. Russell Gage, but Julio Calvin got the targets. Ridley. Yeah, yeah, for a year. Um, but Julio got the targets the majority of the time. He was getting a big bulk of the share of those. Um, I fully expect Michael Pitt. Who was wide that. receiver two before Ridley Sanu? Yeah. Yep. I think it was. Um, don't quote me, but I believe it was for at least a couple of years. Oh, Jesus, man. And but but Julio is putting up elite seasons, and there were years where he only scored like five or six touchdowns. Yeah, because he <laughs> dropped know? four of them. And mm-hmm. so I I fully expect that to be the case again this year with Pittman. Um, he's got great size. He's got good speed. He can get I'll over the top if he needs to. Julio. Uh, I think I think Pittman's going to get a ton of volume, and yes. I think he's going to get a lot of yes. red zone looks. So that's uh, for me. That's a winning. He's their only viable wide receiver on offense. Like I think mm-hmm. outside of Jonathan Taylor, that's going to be their offensive identity. They don't have any fail safe at the wide receiver or tight end position. Pittman's no. going to be the guy. Yep, hundred percent. He'll be. And the yeah, guy. he might not be wide receiver one talent. But when you get the ball thrown at your head 15 times a game, you're probably going to produce. Yep. 
100 percent and, and he was great last year he was, like i don't I, i'm not discrediting him he was great he was fringe wide receiver one last year he was mm-hmm. he was up there he was close mm-hmm. but and they did draft alec pierce who was like a third round pick i think yeah but it's he's running the... with the ones right now but that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna get a ton it's of also volume. pretty easy to run with the ones when outside when of Pittman there is nothing he, yeah so. that's that's very true so i that's basically like a, a competition spot for the other outside and then whoever loses that's going to end up in the slot. Yeah. Um, and I've already mentioned Naheem Hines. I do think he's going to be valuable in PPR. If it's standard league, I'm not touching Naheem Hines. For PPR, though, I think I'm he could get I'm only touching him because of the handcuff. Well, and not even that, because even if, if Taylor went down, Hines isn't going to get the majority of the carries. I think he's just going to be valuable for for like a bi-week flex fill-in. Um, potentially like a running back three... Um, you know, I think he finishes close to RB twenty a couple of years ago, um, but that was a different time. It was a different sure. sort of scheme, different setting. But he he does have some upside if it's PPR. I don't really know how to quantify what the upside will be, but um, if it's a if you're getting in the double digit rounds and you need somebody that can provide you mm-hmm. bi week bi week sort of fill in flex level sort of production. He's not a bad option because they did make the investment in him. Sure. Well, and the, the big thing for me with India is I think everything starts and ends with their offensive line, and it's been fantastic. And yeah. what they lost, they readdressed. Like, they still have Quentin Nelson, obviously. That's the mainstay, and it will always will be. He's their Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't... Call it right now. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm not yeah. trying to jump the gun, but this man is the best guard that I've ever seen play football. He's... Like, he's with my there. own eyes. It's yeah. fucking ridiculous. And then he has Ryan Kelly at the center and Braden Smith on the right tackle side. They addressed the left left side of the line. They drafted a left tackle, and I believe it was a sec- late second or early third round. And he was a guy that I wanted the Titans to take. He should have been a second-round pick. Like, he's solid. So that's four out of the five positions where this guy, the guy that they drafted is the backup. So the guy starting in front of him, in their opinion, is better, which puts their offensive line at four out of five pieces that I genuinely trust to get the job done. That's mm-hmm. more than enough, especially for a good run offense. If you can draft an offensive lineman in the first round and and sit him because you've got – uh, No, it was second front. or third round, but second? still either way. It was day two. Yeah, it was day uh, two. It was Bernard Raymond, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it might have been second round then. Uh, no, it, I think it, it, I'm pretty sure that it was. No, Raymond might have been third. He might have fallen for some reason. But he's. But regardless, that's it. That's it. Early day two picks. Yeah. Those guys still have plenty of credibility and reason to start in an offense based on position of need. Yep. And be- the fact that he's a backup right now to Matt Pryor on the left side of the ball bodes well for them from a position where we feel comfortable with what we have from an offensive line and they should be a okay uh-huh. and because of that i think that that's why i'm so high on jonathan taylor is that yeah there's a lot of question marks going forward he still has a solid offensive line and their identity has not changed as an offense no it really hasn't um outside of just the quarterback change and that that's where it that's what and it comes fuck, down to. Fuck, man, me. their wide receivers are Pittman, Campbell, and Pierce. Like I, I really think this is gonna be a run first offense. This is gonna look a lot like the 2019 Tennessee Titans. I, I, I slightly differ in my opinion. I do and their think defense is fucking nuts. The so. defense is good. I was gonna cover that at some point or another. The defense is good. Yes, I would draft their defense. We'll just get that out of the way quick. Yep. I, if that's a once the top top premier defenses start to fly, if you can get the Colts with the between the fourth and the seventh defense taken, yeah, you got to steal. Yep. 
because they have upside to be top three and well, it's it's very fair and real upside well you look at the division they play in they're playing against houston twice mm-hmm. a year and they're playing jacksonville twice a i year. mean even tennessee doesn't have a strong passing game it's, it's, it's like it's not a hard division secondary wise to actually create a lot of turnovers the games, and get a lot of pressure on the quarterback the games they're playing against tennessee even they're not going to be like 35 to 34 blow or like mm-hmm. you know barn burners yeah, it's going right. to be a fucking 21 17 game quitty pay for his round <clears> pick to forrest buckner first round pick Yannick Ngakwe stud over the league for the last couple of years Bobby Okarike second round pick like there's Stefan Gilmore they got from New England who is a certified all pro and it has been for mm-hmm. a long time Kenny Moore the second in my opinion one of the most underrated players in the NFL Kenny Moore the second is in insane he is such a good fundamentally sound cornerback and he's listed as cornerback three right now like I, I think they're in good shape, and from on the defensive side of the ball, they're gonna force a lot of turnovers. It's just a matter of controlling the pace of the game and running the shit out of the ball. And I think if they do that, one, they're gonna be in good shape from a a team perspective to try to close out and win games, mm-hmm. and two, that's gonna benefit your fantasy team so much more than you know. Uh, I'm typically not in on the first overall pick this year. I am exponentially comfortable with Jonathan Taylor at one, and I'm. Going back to that, I, I'm i not saying that um, it's a bad pick necessarily, but me personally, I prefer the value from McCaffrey and PPR if I can, just because of the upside. There, I just think it's higher. The ceiling's way higher. And, you know, if I'm looking at like standard league, I do think this, like I was mentioning, the season that you got from from Taylor last year, eighteen hundred yards, um, eighteen touchdowns, twenty on twenty, three hundred sixty receiving yards, two touchdowns uh, receiving. That is sort of like not far off of the benchmark that you get from Derrick Henry, which has been a fairly standard thing. And yes, he's coming off a foot injury, but you know he's walking into a run heavy offense, just like Jonathan Taylor, with an offensive line that's pretty good. Um, and a player that has historically put these type of numbers up. Jonathan Taylor, this is a one-off year. And I I have a tough time trusting that he's going to be able to do that another season, another full season, staying healthy, not missing time. Um, so, like, I, I, I'm, again, I'm not 100% against you dra- drafting Don- Jonathan Taylor number one overall, but... The consensus seems to be that he's the best overall player in fantasy. I just don't happen to agree with it. I just think there's upside elsewhere. I think if you can, um, I think the ceiling's higher in other places. That's, I think that it just gets dicey when it comes to the first overall pick because it's so well, much pressure. You have your pick. You can literally pick anyone. It feels like a massive gamble. Right? And yeah, and no matter what, as soon as you make that pick, you. There's going to be second get, even if you're a Colts fan, say in this instance, where you love Jonathan Taylor and that's all you want from your draft, because one, you get to root for your favorite guy every week, and two, on top of that, you had the first overall pick. There's some years where it's genuinely, it's not hard. Even last year, McCaffrey was one and it wasn't close. Uh-huh. If you don't take McCaffrey at one, you're an absolute idiot. Um, three or four years ago, four, Todd Gurley should have been number one. Yeah, he was up there. And no, he was. And it was him, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Todd Gurley was the guy coming off that season, but people got scared because 
one, his injury concerns, and two, he came out of nowhere. And I, there's just so many times where I feel like the number one pick is exponentially harder than having the 12 pick. At least with the 12 or like later picks, you can, you have the luxury of letting the board fall. The yeah, way it's it's, it's not even that it's easier. It's that people make the decision for you, so yes. it becomes easier. Yeah, hundred percent. And I will say, having the first overall pick is tough, but I feel like. Like I said, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it. I think that having that first overall pick and taking Taylor is the safest bet, and I think that it has the highest upside. I love their line. I love the division that they play in, and I love their identity as an offense because I think all three are positives for Jonathan Taylor. Fair enough. Um, We could, probably should, move on to the next one. Yeah, Um, shitty-ass Houston Texans. Yeah, Houston. Um. Okay, let's. Uh, don't draft even, anyone. Before we even get into this uh, team. Yeah, this should be relatively short. This should be about a five minute segment. <laughs> That's generous. Um, I see two names that I would put on my team. Brandon That's Cooks. It. Holy shit. Quit pretending that Brandon Cooks isn't good at football because he's on a horrible fucking team. This Especially dude's fantasy perspective, this dude will save you in a lot of I'm telling a you. lot of situations. I had that dude as a wide receiver two slash three last year on a couple different leagues, and he bailed my ass out. He was wide receiver one. Because he's very close mm-hmm. he's he teeter totters and that's what gets that's what's hard for people is that he's never been the true number one and outside of that one year in new orleans he on a team that's really really bad you look at his his uh career stats i i believe i'm i don't want to say i'm paraphrasing i'm going off of memory here I believe in his what six or seven years as a pro, he's had one season he didn't under finish a thousand yards in under a thousand and inside the top twenty for fantasy wide receivers. That feels wrong to say. The right? amount of the amount of disrespect to that goes yes. his way for being that consistent, which right. is what you should reward in fantasy. He should be a guy that's being targeted in the top two to three rounds, right? But you're getting him in the fourth, fifth, sixth round because mm-hmm. nobody just cares. He's on a bad offense, and you think Houston sucks, but they suck. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, they do suck. He's the only target they got. And here's what I'll say to anyone that says they suck. Did you think they suck last year? Because they did. Absolutely. Yes. Brandon Cooks had 90 catches for 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. On a horseshit team. A horse shit team. Absolutely terrible team. That's the most receptions he's ever had in a year in his career, by the way. When he was... In New Orleans, in New England, in L.A., that was the most he's ever had. Um, Outside of his rookie year in New Orleans, which is fair, he only had 50 receptions, so you don't expect someone to get 1,000 yards. Uh, From 2015 to 2021, he had 1,100, 1,200, 1,100, 1,200. Then his last year in L.A. when he got hurt, 583. Then went to Houston two years ago. 81 catches, 1,150 yards, six touchdowns. This year, 90 receptions, 1,037 yards, and six touchdowns. He's going to do it again like, this year. And the thing is, like, it's not just short, sweet dump routes to him. His average long ball, 
from the year he started in 2014 to 2021, every year was 50, 71, 98, 64, 57, 57, 57, 52. Every year he's caught over a 50-yard touchdown. He's a he's, deep threat. He's legitimately remained a deep threat his entire career, and it's not gone away. He's got massive speed. He's got big-time speed. That was his calling card when he got drafted out of college from Oregon State. The only thing that's hindered him right now is that he plays for Houston. Nobody knows – well, people know who Davis Mills is because he's got a huge, long fucking neck. That's about it. But all people know is that Houston sucks. And so they just discount him as a as a fantasy player, and it's wrong. It's just flat fucking wrong, dude. Like, he's he's a good fantasy player. He always has been, no matter where he goes. When he was in L.A., he was the number three fucking option. You know, they had Cooper Cup. They had uh, Robert Woods. He was like the slot guy. He was not a... You know, he wasn't the first option in a passing attack for the Rams. He still went over a thousand yards. Um, you know, if you can go over a thousand yards, of course, two years ago in Houston, he was playing with Deshaun Watson, and then last year he was obviously playing with Davis Mills, but he had a lot more receptions. That's the the value you get out of drafting a guy like Brandon Cooks. It feels wrong to pick him because you just it it honestly it does feel like you're picking somebody that's got just no no real upside but his floor is he's i i he's about as safe a player as you can pick in a fantasy draft this year i i just don't get the the brandon cooks hate it's like people over have been overlooking him for years because people are sick of the bullshit in houston i think more so than anything they're just tired of hearing about houston well so after when he got traded to la he was supposed to be better than he was i think it's just a lot of you're supposed to be better than you were when you got there kind of a thing because of how good he was in new orleans and now the fact that he's still playing well but he's not playing like that guy you know what i mean like the the number one wide out that you're like wow we have brandon cooks in our team what do you have kind of a thing He's not producing to that level where he's hitting the 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards in a season every yeah. once in a while, that kind of thing. Te- multi- like double-digit touchdowns. When he's, people he's, are not people are thinking that he's not what he was when he had Drew Brees, which in my opinion, he's the exact same guy. He just has a different quarterback now. He's had shittier he didn't, quarterbacks. He didn't have then. premier Drew Brees. Yeah. He's gotten better, but his quarterbacks have gotten worse. Like you have to realize this guy's had an eight-year career. So, like, when he started, he got Drew Brees eight years ago. Like, I think yeah. anyone would pay for that. Yeah. There's no way. He stepped into a really good situation yes. at that time. Yes. So, I'm, so, for that reason, I'm huge on Brandon Cooks because of I, I'm in love with Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver, not in love with Brandon Cooks as to what he gets elsewhere from his team. He's been consistently solid his entire career. I just and think we love that. The the he's got he's still got the talent and the volume is going to match that. It's it's just I I think it's a boneheaded move. It's really fucking stupid to pass him up for a, somebody else that's being drafted in the same range when you're going to get more production. Yes, you're just for going sure. To. For sure. So the only other name on the Houston offense that's I think even worth mentioning is Damian Pierce on the off chance that he gets yes that he the, gets the starting, the starting job. job. Mm-hmm. There's there's talk that he's looked really good in camp so far. And that he could end up taking over the starting job as early as week one, um, which even I'll preface it by saying you know it's a bad offense, yes, but they still have to run the ball. And if he's the number one, he's getting the work. They're gonna he's gonna get carries. It's gonna happen. You th- like we talked about James Robinson earlier um, in this episode. 
couple of years ago. Robinson, a very bad offense, got a ton of volume, and he, he finished as, as an a, undrafted rookie. As an undrafted mm-hmm. rookie. You know, Pierce is a fourth-round pick, so there's even, like, more draft capital invested in him. Robinson finishes, I believe, an RB2 at that time, very near an RB1. Just based on volume alone, I have a hard time believing Pierce couldn't do the same thing. I think he could easily get you, if he gets the starting job early enough in the year, he could easily get you 1,000 yards and six to eight touchdowns, maybe more. Um, you know, scoring, scoring opportunities are not going to always be there. Uh, you got to keep that in mind, but you're not drafting him to be a flex running back all the time or a RB2. Um, there are going to be weeks where he where he's going to give you that type type of production. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think the, the the area of the draft where you're going to be able to pick up a Damian Pierce, you know, I would I would rather take a guy that I think is going to have a little bit lower ceiling, uh, but a safe floor at times than somebody who you might need to rely on an injury for them to hit, you know, the type of production you would you would want out of them. Um, you know, it, it there's there is a time in, in each draft where handcuffs are worthy of your picks, you know, and they're worth they're worth looking at. Uh, but Pierce is one of the few running backs I think that has question marks that I would rather take over a high end handcuff. You know, I think I'd rather take Pierce over, you know, Alexander Madison or Daryl Henderson, or some of those guys that are viewed as like the premier handcuffs. Just because of the fact that I do I do think he's going to take the starting job. That that seems to be the indication. Um, and, you know, if you can get 900 yards or 1,000 yards out of him in six or eight touchdowns, that's, that's a lot more than you're going to get out of handcuff unless somebody goes down real early in the year, and you can't bank on that either. Yeah. So, but... I don't know. I don't know that. Other than those two, I mean, Nico Collins. Nah, no, they, we're not talking about them. Chris no. Conley, no. Run away. Chris Conley had his opportunity in Jacksonville <laughs> and in Kansas City and has done nothing. So. Looking at their depth chart right now, they have Farrell Brown listed as the tight end one ahead of Brevin Jordan, which I think is a mistake. I think not letting Brevin play is going to be one of their biggest mistakes the entire year. He I was. Do too. Arguably their only bright spot as a pass catcher last year outside of Brandon Cooks, who is Brandon Cooks. I thought he was going to be a very under-the-radar. Oh, yeah, I was pissed when they took him because of Tennessee. The plan was from off-season reports that they were going to take a tight end in that round. And I think Brevin Jordan was the target, but things happened how things happened, and Houston ends up with him. Yeah. If for me, if I can't get one of the elite tight ends in the early, you know, five six rounds of the draft, pick a pick I like a shit team with a decent tight end. Yeah, I like to take two tight ends very late in the draft and just sort of stream with those two based on the week to week matchup. Yep. He's one of one of one of the guys that I would like to take as a very very late flyer as like my tight end two that I could alternate. Um, but. Uh, we'll we'll see what they do with that. It's something to be monitored throughout mm. the year. The defense, there's no point in mentioning. There's nothing there. They're, they're not going to be worth playing. They have some young pieces, obviously, with Stingley and Petrie. Uh, that are just going to look bad until they get help. Correct. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm, I'm out on the defense, and barring um, anything crazy happening on offense, Cooks and... I'm uh, out Pierce. on Davis Webb, too, to be quite honest. I don't... Fucking... Yeah, no, there's... You're not, you're not playing him. Davis you're Webb's not. a backup on... 25 teams yeah he's i just don't think he's that 
uh, that guy. You're not that guy, pal. You are not that guy. Well, I suppose um, we can move it on to... That division's done, right? Yeah, we can cut it off right here. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good with me, man. I mean, um, uh, we could, yeah, we could move on to the powerhouse, though. We'll I'm, move on to our uh, resident Titans uh, expert. Um, uh, yeah, I know a thing or two. Tannehill, uh, QB one this year, correct? Uh, for Tennessee, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's about it, though. Not overall uh, for fantasy. No, that guy went to therapy though, so he should be in a better place mentally. Oh, good for that guy. Which is huge. He I needs mean, it after throwing all those picks in the playoffs. And don't forget the fumble. Hold on, <laughs> take a sip of my beer quick. Um, realistically, they're the reason I drink. <laughs> uh, realistically, um, AJ Brown trade was horrible. It's gonna be hard to come back from. Let's cut open a vein. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm gonna be honest. It's <laughs> this offense, in my opinion, won't be where it was at last no, year. No, I don't think so. We don't have a safety net. Nope. Um, you don't. Derrick Henry healthy is gonna be huge. I will say that. Um, they got rid of Roger Saffold on the left side, right next to Luan, who was our best run blocking guard by far. Uh, Dylan Radens was the second round pick last year, who they took at right tackle, who they expect to take over the right tackle responsibilities. But Nicholas Petit Ferrer uh, was a second round draft pick out of Ohio or a third round draft pick out of Ohio state. Excuse me. Um, and he is now in camp competing with him for the right tackle position. So yeah, is Raiden's going to be the guy I would like him to be. I would like Petit Ferrer to sit for a year behind Luan and hopefully take over the left side of the ball because he can play both. And Taylor Juan is a cut with no dead cap next year instead of an $18 million cap hit. So he's gone. So I think that this is Luan's last year in Tennessee for sure. Um, <clears throat> as far as addressing the need that AJ Hole left or AJ Brown left in the offense, the hole, I would say that Traylon Brooks has played fantastic in camp. And yes, rookie wide receivers have had a lot of success over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think. Do I think that Traylon Burks will be AJ Brown's rookie year? Not a fucking shot. I, I don't. The, the, I think there used to be like the, the conception or the conception, the uh, perception, yeah. That either way, rookie wide receivers they need a couple of years, right? Like the the it used to be the rule of thumb was like the third year breakout, and now that's it's, not the case. It's expected that first year if yeah, you're if you're that guy, you should hit over a thousand. Three, three years is a bust if you have. I think we've been better. blessed too with a lot of wide receiver talent in the last couple of years in the AJ Browns, the Terry McLaurins, the DK Metcalfs, the yeah. Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons. Yep. There's been a lot of very big first-round picks. That like You took this guy and he changed your entire offense because he really is that guy. Traylon Burks has the opportunity to do that, but do I think he does it to that extent? No. Okay. Uh, he came into camp with asthma, um, checked out of a couple practices, and then didn't come back for the next day, was not in shape for a rookie minicamp. And his coach at Arkansas said the same thing, that Traylon always showed up out of shape for football, which is terrifying to me as a fan. <laughs> this guy clearly doesn't care that much, and now it's his job. That's that's like the biggest component on whether or not a guy succeeds or not is the work ethic. And if he's not willing to do the things that a first-round pick should do, I don't see that boating well, especially with 
a couple of our last first round picks ending up the way that they did. So I will say he's made a lot of contested catches against the first team defense. Um, I will say the draft class has hit really well in Tennessee. Traylon Burks has obviously played well. Roger McCreary, the second round cornerback, is competing with Caleb Farley to take over his job. A lot of good reports coming out of which camp is insane. Him. He's and the thing, like the, the really really good thing for me is that McCreary typically in practice is playing Burks every time. So he's dumb. So it's rookie. It's pick. it's rookie versus rookie. No, Burks has made him look stupid too, but he is getting competitive first round picks with another power five guy because he's from Auburn and Burks is from Arkansas. So they're both SEC guys. And things as far as the draft class look, look great. But now when it comes to the offensive line, losing Roger Saffold's going to hurt. Do I think Derrick Henry is going to be the same guy that he was? Yes, because it's Derrick Henry. I but thought you were two, to say no. Their offensive line is a lot different than it was outside zone is going to be a lot harder to run and i think that you're going to see the same amount of production from derrick henry but in different ways this year so you're saying i'm that, thinking a lot more pass catching ability so you're saying derrick henry was made by his offensive line is what i think i hear you saying correct i'm saying that he had one of the best offensive lines in the year or in the nfl over years previous and when it comes down to it you can look at examples such as ezekiel elliott the same way where you love Zeke this year still, but he doesn't have the opportunity. Derrick Henry is the same way. He just benefited from having Maulers up front. So if he didn't have his offensive line, Derrick Henry would be just an absolute I mean, I see what you're player. doing right now. I'm not, <laughs> not going to feed into that. I mean, he's also one of eight to run for 2K, so you can take that however you want. Okay. Well, his offensive line did that, to be fair. That's what you're saying right yeah, now, Yeah, right? and he bought them all fucking gold chains for it, so you <laughs> calm down. <laughs> uh, With a 2K embroidery thing on it. Well, You know who didn't get one, though? The offensive line coach. That's fucked up. That's kind of fucked up. The whole offensive <laughs> line did, but not the coach. <laughs> saying, sure. Coach, fuck you. <laughs> that is actually kind of funny. So... I do think that their offense will be in a much better place. I like the Robert Wood signing a lot. I think that he's pretty underrated, but he's also coming off an ACL tear, which I think there's just a lot of question marks with Tennessee this year. 100%. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, yeah, they're great when they're great, but is that something I want to gamble on as a fantasy owner? And I will say it from an an unbiased fan, I'm not taking Burks this year. Tennessee scares me from a fantasy perspective. But... Yeah, and I'll, I'll finish your thought because first, it's, a, it's it's fairly quick. Um, no, I, I don't care. I've just been talking they, for 10 minutes. They so scare totally, me from a fantasy totally perspective fun. because they strike me as the type of offense, especially this year because so many things have changed, where even if they're winning games, they could be winning 13-7. to 7, Which is what happens. That's or, every year, dude. It's or they never, could win. It's never to, easy. Mm-hmm. Or they could win 30-27. to 27. I, You just don't know what week it's going to be. Uh, they I match up to their team every week. And that's that's what scares Especially me. under the Vrabel era, consistently over the last couple of years, they play bad teams horrible, and they play good teams. Mm-hmm. They give them their best football. So it's it's very much hard to find where that gray area lies as to where what – I don't even know how to put this. Where Tennessee is at as a football team because of how – different each week really turns out based on who they're playing yeah 
Yeah, I just... Uh, but from a wide receiver perspective, I don't think Burks is worth it unless you're taking a 13th through 15th round flyer on him. But there's there's always that one rookie, I will say that. And he's going so way if up. that if you think he's that rookie, reach and take him in the twelfth. I have no problem with that. He's going way earlier than that, from what I've seen in mocks. Yeah, and but I'm what I will say is it. Robert Woods has fallen to round uh-huh. eight to ten. He's late too. Yeah, oh, take yeah. Robert Woods to the bank for an eight to tenth round pick. You're taking a wide receiver one in an offense that's gonna throw because they're gonna try to alleviate some of the pressure off Derrick Henry because of what to. happened last year. Yeah, they have to. They're going to throw, and Tannehill's gonna to wanna to prove himself. I really do think that taking Robert Woods in the eighth to 10, even if you get him in the sixth or seventh, I'd take Robert Woods in the late sixth for sure. For me, that's- He's a, wide receiver one, and it's not close. They don't have anything else. That's an absolute reach for me. I would never, I don't even know I would take him in the eighth, ninth, I mean, if I get into double digits, then I'm thinking about it. But Remember this podcast when Robert Woods goes for 1,200 this year because I am as certain of that as I could be of anything else in this NFL league. And that's that makes me hesitant to even say this because you are you follow the Titans, obviously, very closely, and I don't at all, other than the fact that... It's kind of rude. You know, Derrick Henry is... A bust. A bust. He's, he's the running back version of Trevor Lawrence. But um, <laughs> who'd race his second round pick on that guy? <laughs> but uh, man, I have a tough time thinking I would trust Robert Woods this year. Even I don't know who to trust. That's the problem, though. Um, I think your issue is that you don't trust Tannehill. Oh, absolutely. That's the problem. Is he? He? I trusted him last year. He was a guy that I liked as a late quarterback pickup. If, if you uh, get 2019 Tannehill, life even 2020 Tannehill was not bad. And also the thing is, he doesn't turn the ball over until it's the playoffs. Until he plays the Bengals. Yeah, in the... dude, fucking it. But I mean, over the last two years, he had 13 combined picks total. And over two years, that's not bad. That's, that's seven, seven and to. six over a year. He doesn't turn the ball over. He gives. But here's the thing with that: is he giving his wide receivers opportunities, or is he throwing uncatchable balls? There's a there's a totally different. You know what I mean? Like you can have low interception numbers, but are you throwing catchable balls? Aaron Rodgers. That's is a, a whole different ballgame. Aaron Rodgers is a good example of that because he's. That's why he never turns it over. He doesn't throw anything that anyone he can catch, but he fucking predator yeah. Devontae Adams. <laughs> good God. He won't throw. Rodgers won't throw a ball that's that he knows could get picked up. Which is smart. He's smart. Which is how you should operate as an NFL quarterback. Right. I'm not taking that away from him. what I'm saying is like if it's a risky pass to the point where he's like, I'm going to give this guy an opportunity, he's not giving many people an opportunity. He's just not. He's going to throw the ball away. Or he's not going to throw it to him at all, uh, which is why you see him have seasons where he throws like four picks. It's because they just a ball gets tipped here and there, but that's about it. Uh, Tanner, yeah, right. When he does that, I would say at least one, probably two of those four are tip, tip drills. Right. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. You would you would assume mm-hmm. so. Tannehill, I think, is in a in a way sort of similar, nowhere near on that talent level, obviously. No. But but um, I think he strikes me as a little bit gun shy. And then when he does try to cut, him when loose, it comes to making the risky throw, yes, yeah. for sure. And then when he when he either when he gets under significant pressure or he tries to cut it loose a little bit, that's when things get real dicey. Yep. Um, and which so that's is where I'm a huge fan of what he was good at in 2019, which I think that is part of the reason he got so dicey in 2020, 2021, was especially this last year at the back end of the season, he didn't have a run game. 
Sure. So when things got dicey, it wasn't like I can just eat this sack and we'll be fine on second and 15 because you still have to respect the fact that Derrick Henry's back there. Yeah, are you really going to run on second and 15? More times than not, no. But the Titans are also the king of second and nine runs, which you've heard me yell about a million times. But when it comes to that, they don't shy away from the run on second down, regardless of the down and distance. Mm-hmm. And not having that the second half of the season last year forced him to, oh, you really think I'm going to play action to Dontrell Hilliard as opposed to whatever? So teams started to sit back and force windows to be exponentially tighter, and that's not where he succeeds. No, he He's needs- always been a play-action quarterback. He's always succeeded out the play-action quarterback. It goes back to when he was at Texas A&M. He had a solid run game at A&M. And when he doesn't have that, it forces him to beat you with his arm. And he can't more times than not, he can, but more times than not, it's he can't. Yeah. I think I th- it's a viable option, which gets him in trouble because every once in a while, he can make the throws needed to do that. <clears throat> but because he can do it every once in a while, he thinks that he can make that throw 100% yeah. of the time. And that's where he gets into trouble. That's where he holds onto the ball too long and stri- gets strip sacked, or he tries to throw a ball in a tight window because he has pressure on his ass and he makes a bad throw because, and that's where he gets in trouble when he gets rushed. I, I think. The closest comparison I can draw to that Kirk is Kirk Cousins. Uh, not quite. I'd say Kirk's leaps and bounds better than Tannehill as a quarterback. No, what I would say is the closest comparison I can make to that, and this actually hits real close to home for me because I was a Vikings fan growing That's up. That's wild that you think Kirk's is Adrian Adrian Peterson uh, back when he was like in his peak prime. I would call it our quarterback situation was not good. Did you, you know, just compare Ryan Tannehill to fucking Joe Webb? Tavares Jackson and Christian Christian Ponder. Ponder not far off there was games where interesting well and and different because I, do I think he was better than them yes but you could see no the, you don't no you could you could see the difference in in if if Peterson was not in there the passing game fell apart because it was the same thing we didn't have a number one wide receiver um Everything was based off being able to run the ball primarily and then play action. And then we were, at times, successful, right? Um, I don't think our talent level overall as an offense was quite on the same level that Tennessee was or has yeah, been. Yeah, you had Percy. Um, for a couple of years. But And then the one year we had Favre, you throw that out because that's totally different. You know, it's a, you put a Hall of Fame quarterback in an offense. You put, you put like a... You put far of the year that we that the Vikings had him in Tennessee's offense. Now it's going to look way different. It's going to look yeah, for a sure. lot better. So you can't throw that season out. But the years that they had, uh, you know, fucking Tavares and Christian Ponder Joe and Webb. fucking Joe Webb for a game or two here and there. Or fucking hey, don't forget sh- my boy Sean Hill. Sean Hill. Let's I mean, fucking for go. For God's sake, it was <laughs> it was a wasteland for a few years. Um. You know, it was so reliant on the run game, and then if if the run game wasn't there, the passing game was so reliant on it that we were absolutely stuck. The entire entity of the offense. So yep, I can it's, it's the exact. If you don't get the run game going in Tennessee, it's a whole different football yeah. game. Yeah. It's just yeah, I can totally relate to that. It, uh, it's, yeah, as far as defense goes, do I draft them? No. 
Do I think that they're a waiver wire pickup week to week based on matchup? Absolutely. That's what I was gonna say. I would I would call them very much on the fringe of they're situational territory. for sure. Yes. They have they have great pieces. They're not a solid unit. Yep. And provided last year they were extremely banged up. Um, extremely or the most in NFL history. That's what I would call it. Because yes. <laughs> it was the most in NFL history. <laughs> um, they, they were so beat up last year, and they still were like fringe. 92 guys. They were very near streaming territory last year at times. So I, I do think that they're going to be on that radar a lot this year. Yeah, I'm not drafting I, their them. Their front but... seven is great, yeah. and their back four is youth-filled. And McCreary sounds like they really, really like what he's doing. And if Farley can come I back mean, healthy. Last year, PFF rated Byard and Crookshank, who are the two safeties, one and four in PFF grade for safeties. So when it comes to the back end, they're really solid in the safety position. If the corners step up, Caleb Farley first-round pick, Christian Fulton second-round pick, Roger McCreary second-round pick. If these guys play to even an ounce of their capability – the, the back end's not going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Simmons led the league in passes defend, or deflected last year and had 10.5 sacks as a nose tackle. They have some solid play. Harold Landry's coming up 12.5. Like, they have decent role players. Yeah, they got Bud Dupree. Did they sign him this year or was he there last year? Last year. year? Five, last year? five years, 87.5, I believe, and is they what they signed him Cunningham for. off of waivers from Which I love because Zach Cunningham is a tackle machine. He's yeah. like a Blake Martinez, but better. And I've, I, as far as I'm concerned, my our defense is fine outside of the cornerback position because there's too many question marks. And that's just it. They're fine. Rookie and second year. Yeah, and that's – I just don't know enough. Caleb Farley's coming off an ACL – would he have been the first corner off the draft board last year if he was healthy? Maybe. It was close. I mean, he had the exponentially better physical traits than anybody else and had only played it for three years and was a first team or like a consensus All-American. His third year ever playing corner. So does he have the physical traits and the, the physical ability to do so? Absolutely. Is he there yet? From a technique standpoint, probably not, mm-hmm. which is what terrifies me. And Roger McCreary is techno or techno technically sound. Holy crap, I can't talk. But he's also five ten. What's wrong with guys that are five ten? Are we talking about the NFL or in general? <laughs> I'm I'm five. Well, I'm a little bit. I'm taller. Yeah, because you cover Julio Jones. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that and guy. that guy's washed. I'll tell you who I could cover. Mike Evans. Fucking AJ, AJ Brown. Yeah, right. <laughs> Marquez Valdez Scantling. I'd probably just kick him in the knee. MVS is probably the easiest guy to cover in the NFL. All you got to do is just leave him open. He'll drop the pass. He's got no hands. Him and Julio. <laughs> fucking hey, dude. I had to cut in there with that, but I, no, I, it, it doesn't hurt as much now that he's not on the team, which is yeah. a good thing for me. We but love that. I, I do think going back to Tennessee's defense, I do think that they're fine and I'll put it at that. I'm, I'm not going to draft them, but they are going to be on my radar week to week. If I'm streaming defenses, 100%. how do you feel about the offense? Is there anyone you want or not? <sighs> Obviously Henry, um, offensively outside of Derek Henry, I not even a handcuff. I don't give a shit about their backup running backs. Do you even know who they are? Not at this point. Foreman is he still there? No, he went to Carolina. 
Uh, backup running backs. Other the backup that was there last year, number 40. <laughs> Dontrell Hilliard. That's it? No, Hassan Haskins. Oh, yeah, he was I, – I did like Haskins. He's a power runner. I think he's a good stylistic replacement for Henry. Twenty-five if he touchdowns at Michigan last year. Yeah, if if Henry were to go down, Haskins, I think, is a good. He's a good replacement based on play style. I don't know if nowhere near the talent level, but he's a good power runner. He's like two hundred thirty-five pounds. He's a mm-hmm. big dude. Um, but out, outside of those guys, Woods, I'll take him if the value's there. Burks. A little bit more dicey for me. Do you think Burks is just going too high for you? Probably. Um, Hooper, I think, as a tight end, I think he's very much in the same vein as like um, like a Brevin Jordan for me. Like he's a tight end two. If I'm picking tight ends late, I like to pick two of them. He's in that bunch. Uh, I will say my sleeper for this year for fantasy relevance, Chigakonkwu. Who in the fuck is that guy he's the backup tight end uh he is a physical freak he's the exact same body frame as Johnu smith and we all know what Johnu smith did in this offense um chig was phenomenal in college and was projected as a second round pick he fell to tennessee in the later thirds or later fourths excuse me and um has really been showing out at camp chig has been phenomenal and outside of Hooper, it's him and Jeff Swaim. And we all know Jeff Swaim is uh, not the Jeff guy. Swaim, I think you heard me have probably <laughs> at least two heart attacks about last year during the podcast. He's not the answer. That man couldn't stop a run-blacking pass rush in peewee football. And he's still somehow on the roster. I think Chig takes this guy's spot by week four. And yep. I don't think that he makes it a full year. The only thing Jeff Swain is good cut. for is Jeff a holding Swain's penalty. terrible. And Chig's been actually really fucking good. And was a guy that, that who when we took Malik Willis, most Titans people around me the same way that I followed them, thought that that was where we should have taken Chig. And he fell. And we still got Chig and ended up with Malik Willis too. So for that reason... I'm a huge fan of Chig, and they call him Dr. Chig because of how many questions he asks. (laughs) Mike Frabel loves him because he's always asking questions. And I think that's huge from a rookie. I think you need that for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I and if you're especially if it's a bubble guy, if I'm trying to decide who I want, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the guy that's asking 45 questions of practice because he cares and wants wants to to learn. Yeah, I'll take that every day of the week. All right, um, I. Oh yeah, and their fucking uh, draft. Tennessee's punter Brett Kern's the best punter <laughs> in the league. So, as much as you guys think that's not where Brett Brett Kern is cold, so that's where I'm at. So they're gonna punt a lot, so draft their punter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. I I don't have anything else from Tennessee to cover myself. Um. I think we hit pretty much everything on the head. Mm-hmm. What a um, what a beautiful division. God, is it going to be good? It's really not. Well, here's what I'll say, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure previewing the future Super Bowl champions. And I will say. I like talking about Jacksonville myself, too. (laughs) I mean, if Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl, I will legitimately never talk again. (laughs) 
<laughs> I really hope they do. Trevor I, Lawrence I was not mute. a reach. I am mute. Trevor Lawrence was not a reach. Yeah, my next podcast going to be in Braille when they win it. So. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, we have gone on long enough, I think, for this one episode. We love you the most. We Thank will. Thank you very much for listening. We will come at you hot with another episode. Yeah, we got, uh, what do we got? NFC South coming up next. So stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you guys later. Bye.